But I was going into Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converter. Power converter. Going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converter. Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station. Power converter. Hello and welcome to Toshi Station Radio, where we sell power converters. We talk about X-wing. Uh, where did we put our power converters? I don't know. Let's talk about some X-Wing. I'm Matt Newt. I'm Doug Howe. And Smittle's gone. Oh, sorry. I was reading the message you posted in the chat and trying to process that, and I forgot to podcast. My name is Alex Smittle. And my name (laughs) is Porg Jenkins. Oh, a dramatic pause. I like it. We usually go off the rails in the ending, in the outro. The, this new chaotic intro is a weird thing, guys. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, we like have it. no script. Yeah, why, 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 why? We're getting the Zoomers' attention. They thrive on chaos. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to move to a new TikTok format of 90 seconds for podcasts now. Just hypothetically, who are the Zoomers and what age and what generation are those people? Zoomers were born from like 98. Zoomers are like uh, 25 and, and 25-ish now, yeah. Okay, yeah. So those uh, who are basically, you know, born in the 21st century or just over. The, yeah. this, okay. They were infants or younger for 9-11 as opposed to our age. Okay, 9/11. that that makes some sense there because that's one of those things that gets thrown around and usually Zoomer is used as a pejorative term, like Boomer. But And like Millennial know, was 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's just... Ages reverse ageism, not reverse. It's just still ages, yeah. but yeah, like just generation. No one ever makes fun of Gen X, baby. Yeah, that's because no one remembers. That's because no, no one remembers you. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're either a boomer or a millennial, whichever is more convenient to call you. <laughs> like, and we don't care enough to look it up. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that generation. Note, yeah. <laughs> What else have uh, we been up to since we last recorded? Uh, some of us took some road trips, uh, but let's see. Who's had the least interesting last two weeks? Smittle, what have you been up to? Uh, Baldur's Gate 3. Just about <laughs> it. Just about it. Um, yeah, so many people have been lost to Baldur's Gate 3. and apparently yeah, it's just really, really I've put good. 60 hours into my campaign. Um, so it only, puts, it only says 47 because every time I get TPK'd, it doesn't count. When I have to go back and backtrack because oh. of the various TPKs that happened to me, um, but it's super fun. Um, definitely not child appropriate. Don't let your kids play it. Um, I won't. Unless you, maybe you can turn off all of the R-rated stuff. You can turn off nudity. I don't know if you can turn off the actual. Oh my the, god! What kind of game are we talking about? It's a D and D game. It's D and D. It's D and D. Yeah, D&D, D&D, I'm D&D. in. It's, it's very yeah. thirsty. If your it's D&D so game has not turned into a bunch of horny bards, you are not playing D&D correctly. So I mean, better. the bards are the least horny fun. people in this game of D&D. Very <laughs> it's right, because uh, there's only one bard. True. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's really fun. I highly recommend. Um, it's a complete game at release. No DLC. No microtransactions. Um, well, it's been in early access for, what, almost two years? It has, but better for three, yeah. But, but like, how many games actually get officially released and they don't have it like DLC within the first month? That right, exactly. The they said like, like the game is so big and so expansive, they have no idea how they would do D and D for it or uh, DLC for it. They still yeah. need to like they yeah. they got the complete game out. Um, they might like, and in theory, they could do expansions or add yeah. more 
classes like are cool and do expansion which is just like actual new content yeah mm-hmm. which is a they sell a sequel to the game but in the same game yeah. right and like they did the good old days that. yeah like the rts Rebel, days Rebel, man Rebel, Rebel. Yeah. warcraft 2 beyond the dark portal what what um yeah, I've been playing a lot of Cyberpunk 2077 finally, and that's about to have some new DLC drops. So, which is pretty much, and again, a sequel game tacked on to the current game engine. Uh, I should play that game. I, I had that game, and well, I have it, and I only played it like twice, and it was great. But I just, I just couldn't. I forgot I owned it. Actually, yeah, it is a resource hog, man. If had I not got my new 4K monitor and big beefy video card, yeah. I probably wouldn't have even been able to start the game. There's a lot of games that just take a lot of computer to play now, man. Uh, I'll just game three takes a lot of computer to play. Indeed. Doug uh, yeah. is playing on like a 40 inch monitor. I did on Black Friday. 42 inch monitor. So like, 42 inch TV. Yeah, that I dang. Prime Prime Day, not yeah. Black Friday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I got it. I got it. In the- <laughs> That's good, some good shopping right there. Boulder's Gate of Futures Past. All right. Well, uh, Doug, uh, what have you been up to since we last uh, recorded? Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate? Um, <laughs> uh, I've also been playing Baldur's Gate. Not as much, but uh, I've been just been busy. Uh, but no, uh, I guess it was last week. It was last week. Yeah, it was weekend. only a week ago. It's been a long week. You, uh, closed. you closed for three days this week, so. Yeah, I went to Gen Con. Um, How was it? It was your first uh, Gen Con, was, right? It was my first Gen Con. It was great. Uh, I understand why uh, people say to just dedicate an entire day to just look at the vendor hall. And like, <laughs> I believe them, but like witnessing it is... It's insane. It's just, oh, God. it's just so big. Something like this. Um, it's seventy thousand people. Uh, yes, on Saturday, I think the peak day, there were seventy thousand people there. Jesus, Man, fuck that. Like, sorry, language, language, language yeah. but <laughs> you guys have all been to Adepticon. Uh, yes, and like anybody else has been, you've seen that vendor hall. Uh, so from where we were playing X Wing, I could see into the vendor hall, and it looked like it was like twice the size of the Adepticon vendor hall. So I was like, why would I need a whole day to do that? But like. I was like, whatever, I'll go check it out. No, it wraps around the corner, and then it continues like five times that length. <laughs> so it's more like seven. It's the entire convention center. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, it is. It is enormous. Um, so yeah, it was really cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a little unfortunate. I went with with our buddy Brian, um, and he was that playing was on the spot. That's uh, <laughs> and we thought we were playing on the same day, which te- technically we were. He was doing Swiss. On Friday, and I was doing Swiss on Friday, uh, but then his Swiss was actually only three rounds because it was a small turnout, and then the cut ended up being a cut to sixteen, which was pretty much everybody played on slot. Different issue. Well, three um, rounds of Swiss cutting to top sixteen. So, well, so they did. They did four flights. They did a like a morning oh, okay. and an afternoon flight on Thursday and Friday, and then Saturday was the cut. Okay, um, that's. <laughs> Yeah, um, but so he actually ended up playing way longer on Saturday because he made the final table. Oh, um, and oh, cool. so I played Swiss on Friday as well. But then he finished by like noon, which is when I was finishing round two of five. Uh, so then he spent half a day like with nobody to hang out with. And then on Saturday, he played until like five. So I spent the entire day with nobody to hang out with, uh, which was a little bit of a bummer. But it was still it was a really cool event. Um, I did well at the X-Men tournament. I didn't. It was so I went three and two. Um, and none of my games were super fun, which was kind of a bummer. And it wasn't anybody's fault. Uh, it was like my very first round was a nice guy and it was a fun game, but he, he was, uh, like he had played early second edition. Like he converted from first to second edition and then he like got busy with life and then COVID. And so he played like a couple games of 2.5, uh, oh. but he just, he really did not like, he didn't remember the rules well and stuff like that. Um, what, and what so leads just, you to play at Gen Con? 
Well, so that's he was the thing. going. Is, he was going to Gen Con. Yeah, yeah like sex. Is Gen, so a lot of people Gen Con had a relatively small turnout, but Gen Con is a really weird tournament uh, because most people go to Gen Con to go to Gen Con, uh, cool. and it's just like if you're going to Gen Con, you'll play X Wing. So you actually get a large, a larger than normal portion of people who are like super casual and they're not there for like the World's Open qualifier. Yeah, you, um, you end up you can end up with a lot of kitchen table players who are going to yeah, Gen Con for D and D. They're like, oh, there's an X Wing tournament. I'll play in that. Well, yeah, then, then the, the other we side. Back well, in let me finish real quick. The other side is that uh, Gen Con is very expensive compared to most tournaments. So, so, so people who are going just for like the competitive thing would rather go to a different World's Open qualifier and spend way less money. Um, so, like Gen Con, even at like the height of first edition, whenever we were getting like, like the UK had like that six hundred person um, system open. Mm-hmm. Like Gen Con would cap out at like two hundred. Mm-hmm. at the same time even oh, though it has plenty space, of space yeah, yeah uh, so um for anybody who was like wow it was weirdly small numbers i don't really think it was i think it's just it's not the it's very it's a very cool tournament but it it is not the environment to generate super large crowds specifically for x wing it's not a con it's not nova open it's not L- yeah. lvo yeah. it's um it's people go for the con first and then oh cool there's an x wing tournament mm-hmm. uh, gotcha gotcha but yeah. yeah uh so yeah my first round like it was still a, a fun game he was a nice guy um, but like it, it didn't scratch my competitive itch very well. Uh, and then round two, I was against Andrew Schmidt, uh, who's a Indianapolis guy, very cool, I very nice Schmidt, guy. Yeah. Um, I've, yeah, mm-hmm. I've played him a couple times before. We always have back and forth games. Unfortunately, in this one, he two shot. So he was doing the Han, Fen, Luke, um, Keo. Yeah. Uh, and Han on a range three obstructed rolled two hits like, after Haunting, and I blanked out. Uh, and then Fenrau rolled three uh, with bullseye on me, so he had crack shot, and I rolled one evade, so he crack shot it and killed me. So I lost a TIFO on the opening gauge and just never had a chance, like before a shot, oh. uh, just a random shot, uh, in what is already a very tough matchup for me. So that game was very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my round three was good for me. Uh, I was up against a scum list, uh, but I've played a million games against Fenrau, which was the main piece in his list. <laughs> Uh, and so he lined Fen up across from Kylo, and I said challenge accepted, and I five straight focus boosted, and he five straighted and went, oh, I'm eating a proton torpedo. And then <laughs> yeah, he you don't do that, my friend. Yeah, and then he took a structural damage on the first oh, turn, no. so that wasn't really a game. <laughs> uh, and then my round four was against another Han, and uh, he positioned himself so that he had to two-turn to not hit a rock, so he could two-turn either way. Uh, so I went to block his two turn towards like into the board. Uh, so he two turned away like towards the board edge, and then he's only maneuver next turn took him off the board. Mm. Uh, so that wasn't really a competitive game from that point. Uh, and then my round five was against Crispy, who's a, a really really good player. For those people who don't know Christopher Patrick from Florida, he's been tearing it up. Uh, like, beat me at Adepticon last yeah, year. Yeah, he beat you at Adepticon last year. He's been tearing it up in online games. Um, I feel like he's won something relatively recently. I agree. Did he but, get um, second? Uh, at Gen Con or at Gen Con? No, he made cut, but he didn't. He went cut, out okay. in top four. Okay. Yeah, he went top four. Yeah. Uh, um, and interesting bit about that. So the top four at Gen Con was uh, Tyler Tippett, who ended up winning the whole thing. Uh, Zach oh, Hart, right. who came in second. Uh, Nick Sperry and Crispy. Zach, Nick, and Tyler all live within, like, driving distance of Adepticon. So they got together with the three of them, cleared it with the TO, then cleared it with AMG to say, no matter who wins, let's give Crispy the room and board for it. Yeah, correct. Like, and that was really down. cool. It was very cool of them, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, so I played him in round five. Uh, that's, I him around five. That's awesome. Was, I didn't know where you were going is, with that. I was yeah, like, that that's was, dope. That's awesome. Yeah, it was very cool of them. Of them. Um, yeah, it does yeah, be... like uh, Zach lives in Indianapolis. Tippett's in Peoria, and uh, Nick's in Chicago. Nick's in Chicago. Yeah, yeah Nick so, like, is uh, the Nick is uh, the Cubs fan of X Wing. Like, yeah, <laughs> and like I know Tippett crashes with a There's friend in Chicago one, so. during it, and I think Zach does as well. So yeah, like none of them needed room or board. Um, yeah, so it was, was really very cool. very cool move on their part. Yeah, that's no. that's awesome. And it's awesome for AMG to let that happen. Um, they, yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised to hear they said, no, you can't do that. Yeah, it'd be very be... easy for them just to say no. Yeah, it, so, yeah, it's a good but, way to put it. It would have been really easy for them to say yeah. no. But from their perspective, it's really good PR because it makes them oh, look absolutely. good. And like, they're paying oh, yeah. for one trip either way. So like, yeah, it's <laughs> the, yeah, that's why it would have been easy for them to say no because like, they didn't want to go through it. But you know, somebody was probably like that, Doug. They're like, well, we're going to pay for the trip regardless. Who cares what names yeah. are? Exactly. Well, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the other cool things uh, about Crispy was so... Uh, Gold Squadron podcast couldn't do streaming at Gen Con just for space uh, reasons that they had. They couldn't set up everything for it. So Crispy decided he was going to stream on the Viper Squadron page. Which got the... fair, he had to get permission from. Yeah, he got, he got permission because he just took his his phone with him from table level, set it up, and recorded you know and streamed all his games, which yeah, was, was great. Me. He, yeah. he bought a tripod, like, the day before he left for Gen Con, mm -hmm. and was like, I don't even know if this is going to work, but, like, I might as well try so people can watch something. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it, it was fun. It felt like sitting at the table watching your friends play. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so that was... Uh, but that so my game against him was actually really back and forth for a lot of the game. Yeah. Um, he's running, uh, in my opinion, what is one of the most cancer lists available in 2.5. It's uh, it's Von Reg and Hollow, both with Magpulse Warheads, Deuterium, which is the FO regen, and then a couple other talents. Uh, Marksmanship on both of them. Uh, and then two Whispers, Kylo and Wrath, uh, which are both the I-5 ones. Uh, and so literally his game plan is just to deny tokens the entire game. So you just never get mods on <laughs> oh, shots. Gross. It just makes it miserable. You're just <laughs> taking on modded shots at ships the entire time. And then Hollow and Von Reg have regen, so even if you and they're you just know, taking they're major. just taking depletes the whole time because they don't care about hitting you back. Yeah, like, yeah their so goal is just will, to never take damage. Yeah, they will deplete to fire a magpulse at you because you don't have any defensive mods either to deplete you, so that you're <laughs> oh, depleted, God. jammed. Yeah, like it's it's you, you just it's just everybody slapping each other for the entire time. <laughs> That's so that sounds yeah. that sounds like yeah. a long game and, of X wing. And to be clear, you have to fly that list perfectly because it yeah. is four fragile ships that are yeah. not very mobile. It's four um, ships, like yeah. Uh, and they're not graded objectives. Like we, we played on salvage, and so he just didn't pick up a box until like round seven or something. Um, uh, so it like I think after six rounds, the score was like two to one or something uh. like that. Like it was. Um, but so uh, not to do a full bat rep, but uh, we got to a position where his Kylo is at one health, his Wrath is at two, his Von Reg is at two, and his Burn both is regen. So I'm just chasing his ships that are on fire around. Um, but because he has he has mag pulses and like marksmanships everywhere, I can't hold boxes. He just keeps knocking them off because I never have mods, so I can't reliably block a shot. Um, my Kylo, who's been getting blocked up by his his hollow for a few turns, just does a five straight to like burn past her. Uh, and because he blocked me on a turn, like I was a little bit cockeyed, uh, and I should have just looked a little closer and done the four straight because it would have accomplished ninety nine percent of the same thing and would not have had a chance to hit a rock. Uh, but so the five straight lands very very close to a rock i think it would have missed it it very easily could have been on it it was very close either way um anyway uh so he proxies his hollow i put down the five straight i lift up kylo and then i fucking fat finger 
the five straight and just like push it towards the rock. So there is like no way to recover where this five straight should have been. Uh, uh, and so we called Chris Allen, who was the main judge over and we told him about it. And he was just like, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I have to put you on the rock. Like that's because that's the only, the, with the, the information only had, option, it's the only option, which I got. Yeah. Um, I'm not mad about the decision or anything, but uh, my, so my Kylo lands on the rock, takes another damage is now at half health. Doesn't get to focus boost, which he would have been able to do to torp either his Kylo or his wrath, killing either one of them almost certainly. Uh, and just completely swinging the game the other way. Um, mm. So it was just a it was a bummer way to end the tournament, and it just made it, it was like I I just didn't have a close game of X Wing, like a fun close game of X Wing, which was a bummer. Um, yeah. But that is not to take anything away from the tournament, which was fantastically run. And congrats to Tippet for winning the whole thing. Um, tip, tip. And Gen Con in general was still a blast, and I don't I don't have yeah. any regrets. That's like the the gamer mecca. Everybody got to go to at least once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. There was a there's a bunch of really cool cosplay. There's events for any game you could think of ever. Uh, if I had signed up for Gen Con earlier, I could have gone and played in a like advanced Dungeons and Dragon module they were running called How Kings Horde, which would have been yeah. great, but it was sold out by the time <laughs> I signed up for Gen Con. So I didn't I didn't get to be the How in the How Kings Horde. Uh, um, yeah. But uh, well, the uh, How Nave. Indeed. Uh, last weekend, I got to see and hang out with Greg. Uh, which was pretty cool. We yeah. both uh, went to the Village Geek Store Championship in Manhattan. Uh, 17-person turnout, which makes it the biggest one in the Midwest so far. Uh, you know, it was a good time. I carpooled there with uh, Ryan and Bill, two local friends of ours. Uh, Justin and Sarah, who are both new players that play locally, came out. Uh, Greg, you came with Tyler from yes. Topeka. And then... Uh, a bunch of folks, I think four from Eastern Nebraska, the Omaha crowd came down. So Wichita, there were like two Wichita and Salina as well. Yeah, Wichita and Salina. So there were like two uh, Manhattan locals there because uh, Justin Gearing, who has already won his world's invite, was sick and wasn't able to make it out to TO it. So Matt Smith yeah. uh, took over, did a great job. And then we're usually used to seeing Jason Griffith out there. And Jason, however, was in Kansas City. In Independence, playing on an, in a Legion store champ, so uh, we dodged uh, those two. Point: Jason is from Wichita, not Manhattan. But ah, well, he usually plays out of Manhattan, so but but he lives in Wichita. Oh, That's does he live in Wichita? Yeah. yeah, he's out that way. But uh, it, I had a great time at the tournament. Uh, Greg, uh, how did you? How did your day go at uh, Manhattan? Um, let's see. So I flew a different list than I did uh, the previous weekend at Game Cafe. So I flew a meta list of Republic, just a little bit different than yours, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, and the list was really fun. I found it really fun to fly uh, Anakin after flying Sunfac. Like, it was just kind of a neat, like, you just go fast and try not to get hit, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bullseye, uh, just the biggest comparison, I guess. Um, but I did make some big mistakes on my distance with Anakin and my bigger force. So I think if I learn from that, I can do better. I went two and two. Um, I, let's see, I did not feel well that morning. Yeah. You, you looked like you're a little under the weather. I had to run away from my first table to vomit in the bathroom. Oh dang! I mm. I think it's because of my meds. Um, but Sarah was wonderful. 
and she was a very calming opponent. And so that was my first game, and that was I thought I felt better, and then I started feeling bad again. But about halfway through our game, Matt, I started feeling a lot better. I did see, yes. Uh, yeah, I perked up a bit, and um, and then I felt fine the rest of the day. So <laughs> I went on. I played, and I don't know his name. Uh, he's one of the Wichita guys. Um, I played him in Omaha at that one that we all went to, my very first regionals. <laughs> and uh, I went up to him on Saturday, and I said, I know you. I've played you before. This was years and years ago. And he goes, holy shit, how do you remember that? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I, something else probably got pushed out that was more relevant in my life. But uh, I guess I just kept your face in there. <laughs> and uh, so I got to play him. Uh, so that was cool. Um, it was it was really nice because it really brought back uh, the, um, like, when we were traveling for all the. Yeah. I, I did, like, yeah people no. from all over coming to play made it really feel so, like a road trip. It Even did. though it's like our shortest road trip we take. It, it it really did. It was like, oh my gosh, these people are from there and I can, you know, I haven't seen you in forever. And like it was really cool. Um, so yeah, it was a good day. Good Indeed. Day. Now you were flying the list that uh Paul Heaver's been flying. I don't know if Paul came up with it, but it's Edda Anakin, uh three arcs, the oddball, wolf, and jag. Yep. And then your fifth ship, is it kickback? That's the fifth Padme. Ship? Padme. Padme, that's right, yeah. The the Padme list. Um, and that's another thing is I have not on can't pad the May. Well, that is the funny part. You you may think that this is funny. I did not. Uh, I did not. Fly, I did not fly against any Falcons. Uh, but it, like a the game dream. cafe, I flew against three, and I beat two of them. And then uh, at this one, I flew against zero. And then mm -hmm. so like Padme didn't really do anything. Um, uh, so I don't know if that's like, you know, obviously like, you know, it doesn't always work out if it's a medalist, but like, I just didn't run into that Han and maybe yeah. because I didn't run into that Han that Padme wasn't necessarily, uh, necessary, uh, you know? And so I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was interesting because I kind of teched against, uh, you know, those mods and then I barely use Padme. Yeah. That, that often happens yeah. when you bring a specific anti-meta list <clears throat> Tippet also won Gen Con with that list. Um, oh, okay. And so I, I think one of the big things with that list is utilizing Padme is a lot tougher than you would think. Mm -hmm. um, like you have to get used to how to flyer of like coming yeah. in at right angles that you just spread your arc and you're just getting arc on everybody so that they just have to deal with the ability constantly. Like it's obviously yeah. really good against Han because Han, like because it 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 makes his ability way worse uh, and it. Uh, it essentially t turns his whole thing into just focus and to just calculate shots, which is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, just like the more arcs she constantly has on people, the more opportunities it has to trigger. And yeah, sometimes it just doesn't do much. Um, yeah. But I think the big thing with that list is you you want to try and bait people with her because uh, because she can use the arcs focuses. Like she's actually insanely tanky if you try to kill her first. If um, she rolls. <laughs> well, yeah, That's what I told yeah, Matt. Yeah, but, in our game, in that well, as soon as I saw that, and uh, I'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, she rolled blanks, and that I had scared me the most. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, okay, so she's in a decent spot, you know. And I was like, and then she just rolled blank. But it's kind of like Luke, you know. And it's a yeah, stupid no, thing to say out it, loud is if he rolls focuses, he's tanky, you know. Mm -hmm. 
but it's but no, true. It is, it's very I've flown like, Luke and I've blanked out, and you're like, "Wow, this this sucks." <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, one shot any, Luke in Game Cafe because he blanked out. Like, yeah. uh, any two agility ship, like no matter how defensive their stuff is, sometimes they just refuse to roll paint and they die. Yeah. Uh, right. But in general, like mathematical averages, she's extremely tanky because she'll have evade and a bunch of focuses to use. And just you effectively only have a calculator. Yeah. And her ability too. shutting down offensive mods. Like, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, there's definitely gonna be times she just dies when she shouldn't, but uh, but on average yeah. she's very tanky. Uh, but yeah. then the other big thing is that you bring the passives pro torps on her, so if they ignore her, she just starts torping people after Wolf and Oddball have shot and Anakin, you know, in certain situations. Um, yeah, and that's a good yeah. I, I definitely yeah. think that is. I think that list is. It's. I think it's extremely strong. Uh, I would For argue sure. that it is probably the new meta monster over Han. Uh, but it is not easy to fly because you have yeah. to fly three medium base ships that are all that all have pretty crappy dials. You have to fly them relatively close to each other and relatively close to Padme, and effectively so that you're layering arcs and getting lots of shots in and letting Jag use his ability and yada yada yada. Um, but it, get, it definitely has the Jag off, if you will. I um, will not. <laughs> it could. I think it's one of those that that you could pick up and do okay with. Mm-hmm. But if you gave I, it the effort and practice. High and floor, but a really high, high floor, ceiling. Yeah. If you is that what it is? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Right. You can pick so, it up with and get the easy hang of it quickly. Yeah, it's good at jousting, which makes it a pretty good list to just put down and play. But the subtleties of the list is where it really starts to sing. Of like how to bait with Anakin, and then it's like get, getting people to shoot at a three agility ship with evade, three force, and three focuses, and it's like and a selfless in there, like uh, oh, yeah. and then. If like if they start going for the arcs, but they don't focus fire well, they're just not killing anybody while they're just mowing you down. And and then you have the Padme that the better you are with Padme, the more effective it is uh, against your opponent. And yeah, it, mm-hmm. it has a lot of subtlety to it that can make a, it a. The thing, one, the other thing, just all the variants with the triple arc have is if you lose the damage race on turn one against the arcs, you're going to lose the game. <laughs> like right, and um, so yeah. Yeah, that's actually what I yeah that that's what I was counting on. Uh, I went and also flew a Republic list. Uh, I took Doug's advice uh, in that if you're flying arcs, why isn't one of them oddball? So uh, I flew a six ship list with oddball, wolf, and jag, and then axe and kickback, uh, the torrents, both from CG Coruscant, and then slider because he's the two point filler. And I saw someone uh, had suggested putting marksmanship and dead eye shot on him because I mean he doesn't have any points to really put anything on. Uh, you can't put Daredevil on him because boost technically isn't on his action bar because that would just be hilarious. And uh, fire control system is yeah he's a fragile ship. You don't want to be wasting his action on locks most of the time. So with marksmanship and dead eye shot and him usually shooting in the middle of the pack, it was fun to line up a bullseye, turn a hit, spend a focus, turn it to a hit, then turn that into a crit, then turn that back into a hit to make them flip up a damage card. It's not really useful. It's like Thane Kyrell's ability. There's always usually a better choice, but it's fun to make that happen. And uh, who was that? That's a slider with marksmanship okay. and dead eye shot. Because dead eye shot lets you turn oh, a crit funny, to a hit okay. or a hit to a focus. To, right. Uh, so... Uh, For the round record, one, in the future, yeah. I would just run expert handling as one of the talents. Yeah, that, and I realized like halfway through, expert it, handling seems yeah. like it would have been a lot it turns uh, out more useful. The two slide slip into a barrel roll is just really hard to predict. So you can just yeah. block people from ridiculous positions and stuff like that. Like <laughs> so um, many times, I barrel rolled and wished I had a better dial for blues because it's yeah. a Z. Yeah. Uh, my first round, I got uh, Drew Kaiser out of Omaha, who I think I've played before, but not 
uh, for a long time. Uh, he was flying Separatist with three HMP droids, Count Dooku, uh, not the Siege of Coruscant version, and a Vulture droid, and we were doing salvage mission. So I had more firepower and born for this. So my ships could use an action to pick up the crate and didn't suffer as much. Uh, we both played it really, really cagey, though. Never had more than one crate at a time. Uh, the entire game, the only ship I lost was Axe, and he lost one of the HMPs. We went to time, and I ended up winning 8-7, to seven because he committed every single ship to picking up a crate for points, and three of the four of those took crits and had to drop the crates. So it... Uh, it was just, it felt like that kind of weak little slap fight, despite having all that firepower. Uh, then round two, I drew Greg. And yeah, Greg, uh, so when you set up, this is one where I think uh, the obstacle placement and really suited me better because I was able to put all of the objectives and obstacles in like one triangle. So that gave all this open space that I could have the arcs maneuver in. Greg, you set up all your, your ships that weren't Anakin to come through the obstacles, and you put Anakin off on the side as a flanker. So what I did is I took Oddball, and I just turned him towards Anakin, and I said, I'm going to keep you honest by throwing a three-die gun at Anakin and force you to fly him defensively, which took him out of the, the fight, mostly. And that let me focus on Padme really fast. Uh, yeah. Your dice were cold as hell, though, and... The, the one turn I couldn't modify anything against Padme, I just got natties that entire turn against her. And that that felt like, okay, that was dice variance sw swinging the game really hard. What, you know, Doug said, winning that damage race against the arcs without losing one. Uh, and then the last round, that should not have happened the way it did. Kickback was on one health, survived three shots, fired an unmodded range three at Anakin and kills him. And that just... That that felt like the dice yeah. were the really the swingy part of that game. Uh, yeah, but at but that part, I would like to say though is that if there's anybody out there that either doesn't believe in the objectives or doesn't believe that maybe you could build a list to like primarily do objectives and kill stuff, you know, as well. Um, my list held on with Matt's list, even yeah. though I had lost two to three ships. I was objective. I objectiving. I almost said that. <laughs> you were I objectively was. better. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I know. Objectives. No, there I, was turns where I would snatch them all up because I was like, okay, I might do this. I was, I, I was within one or two points. I and had the same experience against. Oh uh, um, shoot, Matt! What were we playing? Rose the one, uh, it was uh, scramble. Ah, okay. That was it. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I had the same experience against Roosevelt, um, though when he was flying the triple arcs, is like he was he was killing me up and down, but uh, I was hanging in there for a while because of objectives, and then eventually he realized that and just grabbed all the objectives and leveraged yeah. his higher ship count. Yeah. Um. But yeah, same. Like you can stay in a game on objectives if your opponent's beating you, you can try to pivot to objectives to hang in there for a couple of turns and get a better board position. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. All right, Greg, I didn't mean to No, you're good. That's yeah. I I love that you can do because one of my biggest things was I'm going to go off just a small little thing is that before <clears throat> I would play lists that weren't necessarily great at killing a lot, but I could like swarm and I could do this other stuff. Um, I think it's great that there's two options to get points and to play this game because I think it just opens it up to so many different people or so many different. Uh, 
preferences. Yeah. So like ways to play. You know, I see I see like Doug's play or shoot even Alex when you were at St. Louis when you would you came up and you're like my whole goal is to kill at least one and a half things or something like that. Oh yeah. And you would just boom smash and I was like uh I'm not even playing yet. <laughs> and so like you know there's those lists or like Doug with his aces you know going to punch people in the face. I'm like trying to figure out how maybe I can not have that happen while also getting the objectives while also doing things. And so I think that Matt and I's game kind of really showed me that was that these optimal lists can just pretty much hold their own. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you do the objectives, like I wasn't killing anything, right, Matt? So I was like, yeah. I got to get objectives. And then you were killing stuff. And I was like, what is happening? Yeah, you really are like this the first thing of shooting. You started using the arcs to just flip the point, the, the, yeah. uh, the beacons and especially with r4p you're just like okay oh, yeah. i'll do a thing i'll just do my maneuver i'll bank it and then i'm range one of this or whatever and so like or you could do your you know your 4k and then come back into another objective or whatever and it just opened up so much yeah r4p and the standardized loadout on uh oddball and jag gives them so much more maneuverability than a standard arc being able to make the three hard white is more useful, I think, than making like the two hearts blue. I would say that yeah, you know, this, this is, yeah. yeah, the cosplaying an A wing by making that you know, two hard blue. Uh, but round three, I drew Pat McDonald. And real quick, the I say a lot of people have actually been experimenting with. Um, I don't think as much in the like specific list that um, Greg ran, but in general, like if you're only running like two arcs and it's like oddball and wolf, a lot of people have been doing custom wolf instead of. Sock the wolf. sock one, because you can just do veteran tail gunner and R4P. You mm -hmm. can just take the useful asteroid. Right. See, uh, I was gonna. You lose no. wolf pack, but like that's probably honestly, if I had R4P on wolf, he would be right there. Yeah, in the mix. Well, yeah. wolf. I kept forgetting he didn't have R4P. He has Q7 for yeah, no yeah. good reason. Uh, I have heard of one time where somebody used Q7 in an effective way, and it was because <laughs> they landed range one in. Uh, 404's arc, so he was going to get APT'd, so he barrel rolled onto a gas cloud to break the lock. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's funny. Oh. That's great. Uh, so, speaking of gas clouds, that funny. actually factored into my game against Pat McDonald out of Omaha. Pat's a great guy, uh, runs most of the events up in Omaha. Actually, I did not know. He's actually the guy who runs uh, no the Nova Open. Uh, so Yeah, he is. So he used to be one of the, like, in first edition, he was one of the big TOs, like the mm -hmm travel over the country and yeah he still runs yeah, that and just you know we keep joking about you know again we're both older players we're both vets that we need to start the uh the masters division with wearing our green jackets uh but he was running a resistance list of ray with the uh trick shot shattering shot combo elo karikun uh shasa zaro in the y-wing and then bb8 and we were doing assault at the satellite array so i'm like okay he has five ships one of them is ray who can take up a lot of space and one of them is a y-wing that you cannot kill in the course of a game so it's the exact same ships but some different loadout why can't you kill a y-wing because hmm? he has wartime loadout and uh i've usually found if you're it's not worth trying to go after a kill take the shots if you have them but that that's a lot of health to chew through. It's not my experience with Y Wings, they just die. Mm. But so I hate seeing Ray because it's just you know, the especially that chainsaw ability with the shattering shot trick shot Finn Rose can turn her into an absolute, you know, just damage beast. Uh 
in the first turn of combat, he plays aggressively, wrecks Wolf with a range one shot through a rock, uh, forces me to start playing defensively, but I manage to block Ray onto a gas cloud, and she takes the three ions, which lets me block her onto it the next turn and take that big gun off the table for two turns. Uh, that let me go ahead on points, and then I needed to keep that list, uh, that lead. He had burnt all of Ray's focus on offense, didn't get uh, the kill on Oddball, and I sneaked through two damage to win 1918 that one. It was a close fought game. And then round four, I'm 3 0, I've got decent strength of schedule, and I get to play uh, Bill, who I rode up with. And Bill, this is the, in like Store Champ level tournaments, this is actually the highest Bill has gotten to. He made the top four at Game Cafe, but that was because people dropped out and left. Uh, so Bill was flying another resistance list Ray, Elo, Temin, and Nian Num. So Ray in three T70s. I have flown against that list a lot on Wednesday nights, but never with this particular Republic list, because I hadn't had any practice with it. Uh, and I figure one of us is going to make the cut. One's got a 75% chance of making the cut, so let's just go at it. It's chance engagement. I did not expect him to go as super aggressive as he did, and he just goes up in score fast. And I realized that a prolonged, stressful game is going to make the cut more difficult for me, so I conceded when he was up by nine points. I was like, nope, nope, we're, you know, we can take a rest here. And then uh, Pat and Justin ended their games to make it into the cut. So uh, we, we did cut to a top four. Top four, I get Pat again, and he's looking for revenge. But this time it's scramble the transmissions, which favors me. Uh, because, again, born for this makes my ships a lot more defensive. He goes after Slider with Ray taking his biggest gun and going after my smallest ship. And I just said, okay, I will let you do that while I start pulling in points. Uh, and time's called, and I'm well ahead on that. So it ends up being Bill and I in the finals, chance engagement again. And I'm just like, oh, God. So we're, we're happy at this point, because that means one of us in the car is going home a champion, and the other one's the runner-up. This is the first time Bill's ever been in the finals of a tournament. Uh, we're also super happy for Justin, who made it to the top four, because uh, he and Sarah only started playing, like, maybe six months ago, and he made it through a real tough field to finish third overall. So good on you, Justin. That was incredible. Bill sets up his whole list in the corner in one massive jousting block. We have asteroids just ringing the center, and I think, oh, this is fine because he can't get right into there. And then I suddenly remember he's not running the trick shot shattering shot build. So I take, I have a great engage that brings all my guys in through the rocks in the perfect conga line. Axe and Jag in the front, slider flanking, wolf in the middle, oddball and kickback in the rear, so no one's bumping each other. And uh, he ends up placing his formation a little too close together, can't get that uh, turn two boost off with Temin. So that means he can't boost with the other two guys, and his T-70s are out of position for the next turn when we actually start combat. And that's where it just starts becoming a slugfest. Uh, I pour boxes of bullets into Ray. The T-70s come back in. We are going back and forth on time. He's smart, takes out the torrents first, because that denies my lower uh, initiative better blockers. Comes up, and it's... Again, it's super close. I believe it's uh, like 16-14. He's ahead. He commits to an alpha strike, trying to get onto my flank, but he forgot that Snap had damaged sensor array and thus couldn't get his free boost in. 
So he's pointing the wrong direction. I throw Oddball, who's undamaged, over a rock to give him a range one focused shot at Nien. Takes him out. I get the win 20 to 6. I'm going to Worlds, guys. Uh, yeah, so that, that was a long Shaggy Dog story to get to there. Uh, so now half of Tashi Station has qualified for the World Championships in 2024. Great game. Uh, great day I, you know, all my opponents were excellent the store running it was great matt smith toing and playing at the same time uh was wearing two very complicated hats and did that well always great to see everybody there so yeah uh i was sitting here trying to figure out oh man how many store champs am i going to be able to make it to and then i get a <laughs> my third one i get the, the invite at so uh, I've got another one I'm going to this weekend down in Republic, and I think I'm just going to fly casually at that one and just have fun with it. That's Springfield? Yeah, it's down by Springfield, yep. It's not metagames where I've played before in Springfield. This is at uh, Cards and Stripes, which is a small store I don't know. And I believe they uh, said that because of space, their tournament is limited to 16 players. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, it's been well, I haven't decided if we're going or not yet. But I, oh, I don't know if they've already sold out, so. If they haven't, then we might decide to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, luckily, yeah. when you're deciding at the last minute, it helps your decision. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that a lot of fun. Uh, so, whew, yeah, uh, didn't see a lot of quote-unquote meta list there. Uh, Greg, like you said, you're not seeing any of the... I think, like, two people played the, uh, the Han 4-ship list. Uh, neither of us ran into them. Uh, well, I know uh, Ryan was flying a five-ship version of it. I think it's with... Uh, mm-hmm. Two A-Wings and stuff. Two A-Wings, yeah. Uh, Something. And, yeah, it's a, it's pretty strong. I mean, he, he's beaten me with it a number of times. So, uh, Also fun doing a, uh, a carpool where I don't have to drive. I always enjoy that. It's rare. Uh, usually that means we're going on an eight-hour trip with Doug driving. Yeah, usually so. it means Doug or the one time I drove. Uh, in the blizzard... Oh, God, that's right. Oh, Adepticon 2019. No, it was, it was Crossroads. Uh, Crossroads. Yeah. It was, 20, the, it was 2019. It was late 2019. So yeah, the, you never which, drive. Put on your guys' calendars, because Crossroads is in mid-October this year. Yep. Oh, shit. It is. Let me pull it up real quick. So, Alex, you don't like to drive. I do. And, and so during a blizzard... They well, it wasn't a blizzard when I drove to Indianapolis. Yeah. yeah, he was driving to. Oh, okay. It was a trip. It was a blizzard on the way back. <laughs> yeah, I was we, like, "Don't, don't let that guy drive." That's the one that Doug won, and we we're trying to get out of the store as fast as possible to get on our way home. And then no, suddenly, when I lost in the top four, so like both of yeah. us were playing long in that tournament. Um, and then we there was an accident on I seventy just outside of Indianapolis. We sat for 45 minutes, and it went from a clear highway to three inches of snow. Yep, in 45 minutes. And then it got worse. It wasn't three inches, but yes. It was, it was 12 feet of snow. <laughs> it was, yeah, we moved maybe it was about a half inch of snow, but it went from clear to standing snow on the highway. Yeah, well, we like didn't move inches. that whole time. Ugh. That, uh, that's the, that tournament was the origin of the Hey, How's Aces High, Matt? <laughs> so, it was, because you kept insulting me when <laughs> I was the one in the cut. Yep. Uh, yes, Greg. Lock off October 14th and 15th. Do it now. Okay. Because that's when Crossroads is. Uh-oh. Good times, good times. All right. Well, we also did kind of want to talk a bit about uh, a, not necessarily like topic, but something that I know... Uh, Doug and Alex, you guys have both been big proponents of, and I know I 
don't understand well, but you guys have uh, pointed out as like one of your secrets to success, and that is deliberate or intentional practice. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. What does that mean? Um, so uh, I looked up a definition just to be prepared, actually. Uh, so deliberate nerd. practice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a research nerd. Um, nerd. Nerd. Dream job would just be to research for a living. Um, so deliberate practice is a kind of practice that's per- it's purposeful, it's systematic. Um, it uses repetition, but it's not mindless repetition. Um, the repetition is using focused attention with specific goals throughout the repetition of, to improve your performance. That's like um, if you've ever heard, like, practice doesn't make perfect, perfect practice makes perfect. Like, yes. it's not. It's Legal not Legends videos is what actually introduced this concept yeah. to me. Okay. Um, uh, skill, skill capped on, on YouTube. Um, but they talked about how just running thousands of gangs of League of legends just over and over again without thinking about it doesn't improve your game. Um, focusing within game on improving specific things over and over again is how you improve. Yeah. Um, turns out into this a little bit last week, but it, it's why we were pushing that you shouldn't be so results focused. Mm-hmm. Like results oriented doesn't actually help you improve uh, because it's like improvement is not an immediate thing it takes it's over a period of time so it is fine to care like like for example it's it's perfectly good great to be happy about you winning the store champ and being excited about it but like you shouldn't take it as a if the next tournament you go to you go two and two you shouldn't be like well i suck again like no and i understand that now one of the things that i had done practicing for the store tournament uh getting all of one game in was and not with this list was you know realizing i was walking in with a I know the concept. I know all these ships, just not all together. I started thinking more about the process, like you'd said, and not the results. Let me try and set things up well. Let me try and approach this from a more thoughtful perspective. And if I make a bad decision, I won't make that bad decision twice. And that's kind of how I approached it. And I actually found that I enjoyed it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Smith, we interrupted you. No, um, I don't. I don't remember what I was saying specifically. Yet, but the point is across. Um, there's a myth about a myth or a legend about Joe DiMaggio, um, where uh, he used to practice when he would do his practice swingings, warming up for an at bat. Before each swing, he would call out a pitch and pretend that he was trying to hit that pitch. Um, so he'd say fastball low and away and pretend that practicing was trying to hit that pitch or awesome. slider inside, and he used his practice swing for that at bat. To try to hit that pitch instead of just trying to time the pitcher, um, he's doing that while also adjusting his swing to make best contact. Um, oh, so it's the, the baseball equivalent of shadow boxing. Yeah, essentially, you are, um, and it's not just the, the baseball equivalent; that's a baseball equivalent. But uh, one thing you can do in uh, X Wing is you can do what Paul Heber did, and he practiced openings on Vassal on his lunch break. Um, yeah, that is and, the perfect X Wing example of deliberate yeah. practice. And uh, an even easier way to do it now would be to specifically just practice turn zero. Practice your objective and rock placement. Like, really, like, especially if you're practicing with another person and both of you are are doing intentional practice. Like, discuss with each other what your list's strengths and weaknesses are within the objective. Like, so, uh, for example, if we take the list that Greg ran and you're playing on assault, like, Greg wants the objectives as clustered as possible away from the rocks because Mm -hmm. he has a bunch of medium based ships, they take up a ton of space, he gets to soak a bunch of points. And as long as the rocks aren't there, it's he just gets to free joust you. Yeah. Uh, now, if on the other side I'm playing like Crispy's list, uh, then I want the exact opposite. I want 
objectives spread out as much as possible, and I want the rocks clustering as much of the board where the objectives are. Uh, so if if I'm playing Crispy's list and Greg is playing his list, like, and we're doing intentional practice, we should take 10, 15 minutes just discussing what each of yeah. us want and how we would go about that. And like, uh, practice setting up turn zero where I'm first player, and then reset where Greg's first player, and then like discuss what you guys could have done different to like try to create an advantage whether you're going first or second. Yeah. Like, and maybe play know. the first five turns, three, four, five turns of the game to see where it leads. Right. Um, yeah. If you if you have time and want to do that, mm-hmm. but um, and if you're if you don't have a partner and you're by yourself, you can look up, you can learn, you can ask what each of the major medalists want for their turn zero. And practice setting up your lists turn zero as if you were playing each of those lists. Yeah. Uh, so you would you would have to pretend to be them, but you'd set up in their best interest when you're pretending to be them. You set up what they want, and then you try to beat that um, with yeah, yourself. So it wasn't per, it wasn't great intentional practice because I usually play the games to completion. But early in first edition, like on Vassal, I would play games against myself, and I would I would intentionally set my dials first. And then when I set my, quote, opponent's dials, I would play with the perfect information. So they would always play the move that best beat the move that I had already set. Okay, so basically how to fight from your back. Yes, Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The point of that, and like that's not perfect practice because uh, it's not super realistic, but mm -hmm. it does, it gives you a better sense of your list's weaknesses. Like when somebody just has you dead to rights. Yeah, when somebody can perfectly predict what you're doing, like... My first, well, the thing for me is my first, that first regional we went to back in 2015, I played Gavin in round four and I mad, managed to beat him, but every single maneuver, he called my dial before I flipped it. Gavin is a, he didn't transition to second edition, but Gavin was a, a KC local and he was just amazing at that. Everybody he played in, he would have the template out when you revealed your dial. Like yeah. if it, if the template's on his if the ship's on his side of the board, yeah, he's he he's ready to move your ship down. when your dial's right. Yeah, yeah, he's not like, you know one of those that not only thinks of what's my optimal maneuver, what's your optimal maneuver. You know that's uh, um, and a lot of that I think stems from. I mean, for him, it's it's probably just something he's very good at at judging and reacting. But like that is something that you can gain through intentional practice, and that, that's not as much a turn zero thing, but just like putting yourself in your opponent's your opponent's head as much as possible. Like the more you practice it and like actually try to think about what your opponent's doing, the easier it comes to you. And Doug and I did a lot of that early on where we would play our game slowly and talk to each other the whole game about what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, we had the benefit of playing 10, 15 games a week at that point in our lives. Yeah. Um, well, well, this which is, is where we got back to the, if this is if you're adults or you just don't have the time or energy to play 15 games again a week, then don't play whole games. Just yeah. play openings. Like if if you have let's say two hours to play, then spend the first 45 minutes just going over openings or resetting a turn if something goes ridiculously weird or whatever. Yeah, and then at yeah. The end if of it, something super out of variance, just pretend yeah. it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Or okay. yeah, like your three bank hit a rock, but the two bank wouldn't have. Just put in the two bank. Yeah. Like this, the point is not that we're playing X-Wing hardcore by the rules. The point is that we're trying to learn and improve. Yep. Doug and I do that, that all the time in games. Oh, that hit a rock. Let's reset. Or, oh, that bumped. Yeah. Or I'll move the tie, move one speed back. Or yeah. um, Now, what this is actually sounding a lot like, and this is something that Greg will understand as well, this sounds a lot like, honestly, how the military trains. You know, uh, there's a saying, don't fear the man who's practiced 100 punches once. Fear the man who's practiced one punch a hundred times. 
there's a thing in military training. I don't know if it's a bigger thing in aviation as it was in combat arms, but uh, doing a field exercise that you've done a hundred times, but this time it's like, all right, now you don't have resupply. You only have one vehicle and you still have to do this. Figure out how. So kind of learning how to use the skills you have in X-Wing terms, your list, in adverse situations, kind of like what you were saying, Doug. The, uh, you know, what if my opponent spots my moves perfectly? How do I react to that? Uh, That's an important aspect, um, is the th active thinking aspect. Mm -hmm. um, mindlessly playing reps, like just going to casual night, playing games against whoever, um, smashing them not smashing getting smashed every week um the out the results don't matter but you're if you're not actively getting something out of the game even if your opponent isn't you can still actively get something out of the game okay. if you put effort into it but mindlessly playing the game will not get you that's not intentional practice that's not practice that's just playing that's just playing the game right so what you're kind of saying and i'm trying to narrow this down into simple language going at a practice game of x-wing you know I assume intentional practice is not something you would do during a tournament, although small like Friday night tournaments, sure. No, I mean know, every there's true. always you can learn something you can learn something from any time. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um I, obviously you're not resetting the game. Yeah, like the <laughs> mindset can still be there even if okay. you're not actually intentionally practicing. But yes. yeah, like you can I mean an example is just after the game, like have a conversation. I, this won't work with every opponent because some people won't care or will be tilted or whatever, but like if your opponent is in a good mood after the game. Uh, like, go back and have a discussion of, you remember this turn, blah, blah, blah. What do you think would have happened if I'd done the three bank instead of the two bank? Or, you know, whatever. Um, just, like, have a conversation with them why and just analyze you, a little why, bit. Why did you guess my super secret maneuver perfectly? Yeah. Why yeah. did you call that white one hard while I was stressed? Like, how did you call that sweet maneuver? And then, like, mm -hmm. oh, maybe it was super obvious from their side, and I'm not as clever as I thought I was. No. Um, I've had that happen. Yeah. <laughs> I know uh, I've had those kind of games where I've asked uh, Doug that, you know, like, how did you know what I was going to do? And you would say, I knew you were behind on points and had to do something drastic to try and make it up. I was like, yeah, like I did in our Which... game at Game Cafe Middle, where I absolutely had to go up on points. So I did that, you know, bonkers Anakin joust with Fen Rao and lost because I was like, there, there's only one option for me that wins and you called it perfectly. It was Fair. a dumb choice, but you knew I was going to do the dumb I thing. I do think on the side side tangent, I think the objectives make it so the drastic I have to do something huge to get catch up um, can be lessened because you can do what Greg's talking about and stay in a game on objectives if you're losing on chips. Mm -hmm. But you can also just get put out of the game completely by the same objectives. Yeah. Um, I also like, think 2.5 makes intentional practice a lot more important. Yes, because um, you cannot have a generic game plan that works against every list. Yes, uh, and this and is what's scenario. been like shackling me in a way. Is yeah. You have to I, practice every scenario. Yeah. So one thing uh, Greg was talking about earlier um, kind of reminded me of near the end of Second Edition. Uh, the I think it was the Fly Better podcast started talking about how there were zombie games, like mm -hmm. where uh, you would set up and like the result was already kind of known. Um, like, unless something ridiculous variance-wise happened or somebody just made a blatant error, like the person who was second player in an Acer's Ace matchup won, things like that. And 
those don't exist in 2.5 uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, they can happen because one person is prepared and has a game plan and the other person doesn't. Yes, but and that like, can happen very easily. Yeah, but More just easily looking, than it used to happen. Yeah, I said just looking at lists, it doesn't happen. And so I think the, the big thing with 2.5 is, uh, which in my opinion is a very good thing, is that list building is significantly less important and actually playing the game is way more important in terms of, of who is the better player. Um, okay, that that definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, I say one last thing I would say about intentional practice, like um, if you don't have like a practice partner with or something where you can get a ton of reps in, uh, I would say one thing if you're like preparing for a big tournament, uh, a obviously know all of your interactions within your own list really well. Like it should be it should be second nature to uh, like trigger born for this on like the sock arcs yeah. to focus for padme like you shouldn't yeah. you shouldn't you be cannot to, miss it. triggers yeah like you, <laughs> you should like you can think about like i'm not saying like you have to know instantly whether it's the correct choice or not at any moment but like you should not have to be like oh yeah i have born for this like i need to remember my triggers like if if the point if going to the tournament your goal is to do really well like this they should be second nature to you yeah. on yeah. win stuff triggers the other thing i think you should have is you should have at least a basic game plan on like where you want objectives to go where you want obstacles to go and how you want to deploy for every scenario mm-hmm. um though they shouldn't be locked in stone because it can change based on what your matchup is but you should have a general strategy for everyone and you should like if there's a meta boogeyman you should have in mind mm-hmm. what they want in general as well um yeah. don't let their <laughs> plan drive you off your plan if your plan is solid yeah, but, but like so just- so, like in the current meta, I would say, if uh, I was going to Nova, which is the next Worlds Open qualifier, uh, and I picked my list, I would want a game plan against Han, the list Triple of Greg Rand, the three arcs, Padme and Anakin, and five T seventy. And five T seventy is more of a this is a list that outjasts me because unless yeah. you're running it, it probably outjasts you. That's kind of what we would the world's greatest Swiss boogeyman. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, just the most efficient casting list. Is. But yeah, so I would take those three lists and I would go, okay, uh, I'm playing my list against the arc list and it's chance. How do not chance is a bad example. It's 2.0. Uh, it's assault. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do I want to deploy? Like, what is my ideal objective obstacle in deployment against this list? Um, so that you can try and engineer it whenever you get to the table. Like, you should just already have a plan in your mind so that you're not thinking about how I beat this list and then trying mm-hmm. to execute it all while chatting with your opponent and being friendly and trying to set up before time starts and getting everything set up. Like the more you have prepared ahead of time, the better it is. And that's yeah. what intentional practice is. And the better your tournament is. will go just, just from a logistical standpoint. Yeah, very uh, true. Now, also um, sidebar, uh, if you know your list has a million charges or whatever, like as something that is a pain about to set up, try to figure out something that makes it go quicker. Uh, because like one them- of the most frustrating things is... Uh, you Losing. sit down to play a game, and your opponent takes ten extra minutes to set up, and then you lose ten minutes of the game. Yep. You play a sixty-four um, minute game instead of a yeah. seventy-five. I, oh, that—that that was the other thing about this weekend I didn't mention. It. Greg, back me up on this. They started time when they generated the next round. Time yeah, was never. running when they announced pairings. That is unfortunately just a, a mistake on the TO's end. Like that. that yeah, just it, and it was towards rushed. the end of the day. Uh, Matt did make the correction. Uh, Matt Smith. Uh, to the person running it, and he was trying to kind of make it uh, even. Uh, so they they said that in the in the rules it says when 
players have begun to find their partners or begun to find their tables or something yeah. like that. And so it was like they would call uh, <clears throat> pairings and then they would do time just because it was such a small area. And it did feel like something was different, but I know that we, I don't know if I call it spoiled. Yeah, I said that could be an honest mistake if the guy's just not a big X-Wing player. Yeah, yeah. he's not. He wasn't. he wasn't. Yeah, to be a perfect yeah, one, I don't care if that's in the rules, that's the wrong decision. Like, yeah. you have to give people minimum five minutes to find their table and yeah. set up. And, the, like, every game that I played, or if not, not, not every game, but mm-hmm. most of the games, I'd say probably three out of the four, felt incomplete. Yeah. Uh, it just felt say, like we were in that turn. And I actually made a joke to uh, the fella from Wichita. I said, Oh, this this should be the last round. He goes, What are you talking about? And I was like, Well, I'm down by a point. And he was like, What? And I was like, Oh, you just watch. I'm down by a point. I need this turn to go perfectly. I guarantee this is the last one. And then no shit, five minutes later, they they're like, time. time. And he looks at me and he goes, How did you do that? And I was like, Because the game doesn't feel like complete. Like yeah. I think I can feel you know the time so it was a little unfortunate but yeah. you know it happens yeah i said i can the- tell you like what i did when i ran like the three rounders at game cafe like the friday night three rounders uh i would we would call out pairings and then once everybody had found their opponent i would just start an 85 minute clock because we were just doing 75 minutes right yeah, we didn't do the random shit but like that gives you 10 minutes of setup and then 75 minutes and if you finish setup early you get a couple extra minutes of play good for you yeah, you get a longer uh, break at the end of your game. Like, yeah, that's true. And at so, these local ones, you're, there's so much talking, and there's so much yeah. like, I haven't seen you in forever, or hey, man, how was the drive? And if you people know, are so, like, on their it's just cool to be, you know, yeah, exactly, Adepticon like, style. But then oh, on the opposite end, Adepticon has 200 people, so it takes time to find your table does. and find it your opponent. Right, and, and, and to get your pairings off of roll better because there's yeah. a thousand people logging in at the same time because people not at the tournament are also logging in yeah. and refreshing constantly. Yeah. So yeah, if you're not at the tournament, don't use the roll better. You know? Yeah, and I, I don't um, know. I don't know what your guys' problem was, Greg. I didn't have any problem finding my seat through the entire day. I, yeah. I, I literally stayed in the exact same spot the entire day. It was. I was thinking that, and I was like so mad at dice variants. I was like, I could have stayed at this table. This could have been my table. I, I just didn't have to move all day. It was wonderful. No. Yeah. Uh, Doug, you mentioned only about a lot of charges. One thing I did see somebody do, and ah, I cannot off the top of my head remember who it was, but. They had a ton of shields and charges in their list. So what they did was take a tiny little bit of blue tack on the back of each token they had and stick that to the card so they could put it on a, the board and bring it from table to table. And flipping it's still easy because it's not like it's stuck to there. But yeah. when you turn it back over, it does at least like not get scattered. The thing is, if you have a ton of tokens and... Or if uh, you just have a fishing tackle box, but each ship has their own section, so it's easy right. to just set up each ship quickly. Yeah, right. Um, that's like what that I do. Is, is like, or uh, even just intentionally put away your tokens between games so that it's not you're not searching for that last charge mm-hmm. before yeah, you move on to shield. Or, yeah. yeah, or only keep the game needed tokens out and put yeah. your non your unneeded extra tokens away, so you're not having to dig through extra stuff. Yeah, right. my real point was just be mindful that like mm-hmm. if you're if you know your list takes a little bit longer to set up because it has a lot of tokens. Or you're normally just a little disorganized and you're going to a big tournament. Just be mindful, and it, it will go a long way. Like because it's your opponent probably won't crap about it because most people who play X Wing are very nice. 
uh, and non-confrontational, but they're definitely going to be irritated if they have to wait and watch you set up and they're losing yeah, game yeah. time. They will seize. One of the other things that I found uh, really helped me out for at least pace of play, because I, like many other people, use the previous store champ templates, you know, the mostly transparent ones with the blue markings, that if you put them on a dark background, become invisible. I have been taking them during my end step. Part of my end step is collect all my templates and put them back in the tray. So I'm not turning over a dial and going, where's my two straight? I was actually uh, going to say, um, investing in a template tray, especially for bigger tournaments, is a easy way to keep your table space more organized. Yeah. But um, especially because else... a lot of them, like Hybridge, or like most of them usually have like token trays to come with it. Mm-hmm. So you can at least keep them in one place that doesn't get jostled around. Uh, so one thing about an intentional practice again, how, I mean, when you have a list that has a ton of triggers and Greg, your list, uh, is a good one that how many times did you look back and go, Oh, I forgot Wolf or Jag's trigger and have to think, Oh, let me rewind that. Uh, I can tell you a bunch. I, I, I forgot a trigger against Doug in the final of game cafe that might've been consequential. Right, stuff like that, like, or um, things like, you know, self It was an elusive trigger on. Yeah. Um, well, but, um, thing, yeah, it was probably of, not that consequential. <laughs> one of the things I started doing, realizing that my list kind of depends on Jag being able to get those target locks because he's shooting last, is I would look before combat started, find the ships that were in Jag's side arcs, and I would put a finger on each of their cards mm-hmm. so that I would know... That after I shot with them and looked at their card, I'm like finger on the card, Jag, right? And would remember. So to I will do say that. real quick. I actually don't think that part requires intentional practice. It's helpful. Agreed. Like like you should still, um, like with thing, or know, without intentional practice. I actually think that is where like the casual night is really helpful. Just getting okay. reps in helps you remember yeah. your triggers. Just um, uh, actively re- actively think about your triggers constantly. Go into yeah. the game saying mm-hmm. my goal is to not miss a trigger. Um, hey, to make you can even tell your opponent, hey, I might be a little slower. I'm trying just to remember my triggers. Um, also, little things like you can play I've lists that too. don't have system phase. I still announce system phase every game. I do too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like it's I've like just little things like announcing that. every I an- phase. I announce start of engagement at the start of engagement yeah. every mm-hmm. time, whether I have triggers or not. Like uh, it's just those little things will help jostle your memory. Yeah. Like, because like, I have a Parox, I announce start of engagement. Whether he's clearly range one or not, I announce mm-hmm. start of engagement so that I will remember I have old Terok. And yeah. if, like, if you have a brand new list, like brand new, you're trying it for the first time, um, it has a lot of new triggers, you can play against yourself on the kitchen table. Yeah. And um, you don't even have to do the dial setting. It, that help, it's helpful. But you can just play to get your triggers. And you can just, you can even write a list of all your triggers and all the phases down when you're at the kitchen table. Um, and completely legal go, now. Go the through the list, and during each phase, go check your list during each phase to make sure you don't miss a trigger, and do that until it's second nature. Yeah, uh, since now they, they have know. said you can make notes during a tournament, uh, yes. that is something, I mean, it might help to just, uh, I know some things like, you know, I know some people will put out tokens for abilities to remind them, like passive sensors is one, you know, mm-hmm. or using force, I'm going to put that token by the the ship so that I remember it. Most people don't have a problem with it. Technically, you're supposed to put the tokens on the card, but you know things like that can help you. If you're a visual person and you need to remember, oh, right, I've activated my passive sensors, put that token out by the ship. Also, one last thing, um, and this is specifically for like casual games or, or practice games. Um, 
there, I've played against a lot of people like in that situation where they'll miss a trigger and then remember it afterwards, and I'll say, oh, go ahead and take it. And yeah. they say, no, I don't want to. Like, I need to play like how I would in a tournament. Don't do not do that. Don't do that. Take, yeah. take the trigger. Yeah, Using exactly. the trigger is what will help you remember to use the trigger. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, especially in a casual situation. Like, yeah. I can understand, like, the, the really big, tense moments. I forgot this thing, and now it's ingrained in my brain. I never forget it again. But, like, in a casual game, you're probably not taking it that seriously. And if no, you are, you're probably you not going to remember it. Yeah, it's, a... it's what will happen is the next time it happens, you'll go, oh, I forgot. And then they'll go take it back and you'll go, no, I need to play it like a tournament. And then you'll just forget forever because you That's never do the trigger. The yeah. big thing about intentional practice is yeah. you're not treating it like the tournament. Mm-hmm. You're treating it like practice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And so... the last thing I will say about intentional practice, even if you decide to play out games to completion every time, do not focus Care. on win or loss. As in, I... I I do not, if, if I'm intentionally practicing, it does not matter. It is irrelevant. I don't remember if I won or lost a game if I'm yep. practicing. Like, yeah, you, you want to basically know how your memory works. Yeah, and like, let me be clear. I'm not perfect at this. I have a no, hard, me I, either. No. I get really, I, I get more upset when practice goes poorly than tournament games. Um, I have to, oh, really, I, it's a validation thing. I've seen um, you when a tournament goes poorly. Tournaments, I, I get much less upset with tournaments. Um, but yeah, anyway, like, I'm not perfect, but uh, we're getting better. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, it's this. This is all from the objective standpoint of not being emotionally invested, and it's yeah, very easily that's... emotionally invested in like things that you like, like a, a specific list or something. And it is perfectly fine to throw away a list because you're just not enjoying it, or like that one bad game just left a sour taste in your mouth. So you're you're not going to be able to look at it objectively anymore. Like, uh. Fly what you want to fly for whatever reason. It's just yeah. if you have picked your list and the point is to improve at that list, that's where intentional practice comes in. Yes. Um, or if you just want to improve at X Wing yeah. on like, like that's what got me good at X Wing. Um, in 2018, I decided to quit building lists and I'm tra- I just took like three three regionals. I take the same list and burn it run into the ground. I started with ego and then pal bases and then um, I was I yeah. Um, I lost the train there. But, uh, yeah, like, the point was, I wasn't building the list. Um, I was just practicing the lists to, uh, for intentionally. I don't know. Never mind. Cut this part. No, you don't have any allegiance to your list. I do that all the time. I'm like, oh, I really like this character, and I built it around. And then it affects whatever you do. And like, the sunk cost fallacy. That was I, the first yeah. time and I ever put to... Fen Rao down, for the record. Um, since he'd come out, that was when I played Ego for those first three regionals in 2018, and then switched to Pal Bases after that. Like That was the first time I'd not played Fen Rao in tournaments since he'd come mm-hmm. out. Um, yeah, that's a big deal for me. <laughs> that's, you know, we, we can talk about pitfalls to fall into, the sunk cost fallacy and things like that at a later date. But that's just one of those things. Be willing to say, all right, I I have found the list that I think is the best and that I enjoy. I'm going to learn it inside and out. And, and I do want to emphasize one thing though, like to like there is a difference between intentional practice and like uh, playing the meta. Like you can intentionally practice stuff that is not meta. Yes. Um, if if like so, a, a perfect example is uh, St. Louis local Dan Peterson. Like oh, when he yes. played. Guri is who he played. That is the only ship he enjoyed playing, and everything else was just trying to make Guri as, as good as possible within the list. Uh, and, like, whether Guri is good or bad or meta or not, like, if if what you want to do is play that ship, you can. Uh, you just need to separate uh, intentional practice from, like, competitive at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Like they they are different things. If if the point is to win a tournament, you might have to sacrifice a little bit of fun to run a better list, or you might just have to accept I'm going to do as well as I can yeah. with this. That Dan's um, goal was to do as well as possible with Gory, not to win the yeah. tournament. Like, yeah. Which I is absolutely, absolutely valid and admirable. Um, you know? Not to just speak, not to put words in Dan's mouth. Yeah. But I assume I believe Dan. I believe those words have come out of Dan's mouth, so you're good there. And that's uh, usually Mark's goal um, with resistance mm-hmm. is to be the top resistance player. Mm-hmm. Um, he often yeah, is, and all of that's perfectly fine. It's 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 really just about being realistic with your expectations. It's if your expectation is I want to play this specific pilot, and if I don't win the tournament, I'm mad. You're probably just being unrealistic. Like, yeah, that's you're um, going to have you're going to be upset a lot of your X-wing career, especially whenever you take into consideration that like the top medalist frequently does not win the tournament, even if it is clearly the top medalist. Um, like, there's there's just no way to guarantee winning a tournament; otherwise, the game would be really boring. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so intentional practice. That's try like, it. Yeah, that. If the intentional practice is the single thing that will improve your game the most, in my opinion, um, I I don't want I want to close at least I want to I don't want to close without saying that it's like I think that if there's one thing you can do to improve your game the most, it's intentionally practice. Yeah. What if I could choose to be Doug Howe? Do that that would that's a lot of intentional practices. You're yeah, just getting okay. a lot of hours in advance. Well, I just wanted to be Doug. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think you want. I don't think you want about. that to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's not all it's cracked up. <laughs> I'm dead inside. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, do we have any uh, shout outs this week? Uh, yes. Um, I'm sorry. I forgot his name. He emailed us, though. Oh, oh um, yeah. Uh, from Indianapolis. Uh, no, from, no, from Fairview Heights. Oh, from Fairview. Is that not Indianapolis? No, it's that's Illinois. Illinois. That's just across the river from St. Louis. Okay, it's about 40 minutes away from us. Ah, Josh. Uh, uh, Josh, yes. Josh, yes. Josh Walker, specifically. Who, uh, he ran the tournament. Yeah. Um, Shout oh. out. He emailed us after the last episode to shout us out. So just a shout out in return. Um, he was one of the players. Was he, was he? Was I don't know. People's names. There's a lot of you, and it was nice to meet you all. But, there was a lot of you <laughs> with the <laughs> names <laughs> and the people in the face. Like uh, I'm getting older, and names are getting harder. <laughs> true. And I've always been bad with faces. Um, Indeed. Uh, I would like what? to again shout out the. Uh, Village Geek in Manhattan, the folks that ran it, everybody at the tournament, and uh, Matt Smith for judging, marshalling, and TOing while still trying to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and... Good. <laughs> Sorry, I killed, the, I killed the podcast there. That's my bad. <laughs> um, it isn't easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> it, my father Bob Howe. There you go. Thank you. I was waiting for the my father Bob Howe. Now that you are uh, working in the family business, how is uh, seeing more of uh, your father Bob Howe doing? Um, he played Pathfinder um, with him yesterday. We did play Pathfinder with him. Oh, nice. Yeah. It was fun. I, I legally can't answer that question. <laughs> What'd you say? No, it's. I said I, I legally, legally can't, can't answer that question. No, it's been <laughs> kind of an NTA. <laughs> Uh, I will say my favorite thing about working in the family business so far is how stress-free I am while working. It's so good. It's so great. <laughs> uh, He's a cashier. But... I'm not a cashier. Thank That's you. fair. But like, uh, you know, when you start managing, you might have some stress. But Yeah, maybe. But yeah. either way, it's a much lower yeah. stress situation. Yeah, and you, know, mm-hmm. you enjoy the people you work with and what you're doing, which is you well, know, so important in a job. I work so, with well, 
<laughs> oh, there is that. I have to be I, around another how all the time. It's painful. That, it's the, the better how, though. Yeah. Brenda's. Absolutely. The OG, the OH original how. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got the he's got the horde. Mm-hmm. He's the how king. Wow, well, that was the He is the, the king. Horde. So, Indeed. All right. Well, with that, if there's nothing else for Tashi Station Radio, I'm Matt. I'm Doug. I'm Smittle. And I'm Pork. Okay, as somebody who calls you Smittle, it is weird to hear you say I'm Weird thing. This is only the second time. I'm changing mine. This arc is bad. The Smittle arc is bad. You should be Alex on the podcast. We need better character growth out of Smittle. (laughs) No. No. Tashi Station Radio is brought to you by the team of Greg Smith, Alex Smittle, Doug Howe, and Matt New. If you'd like to help us out with hosting and production costs, you can go to ko-fi.com slash TashiStationXWing and make a donation. It's always appreciated. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at Tashi Station Radio, an X-Wing podcast, for news and updates. And as always, thanks for listening.